Welcome to The Church Door, a place where I can post my Bible studies and sermons for your listening pleasure. I'm the Reverend Matthew Fenn, pastor of St. Peter's Evangelical Lutheran Church in Stratford, Ontario. Thanks for tuning us in. Okay, welcome to our second study in the Christianity Unpacked series. Um, kind of loosely based off of a seminary project I had to do. Um, so I'm going to open up with a word of prayer, and then we'll uh, do a little recap and jump right in. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we thank you that through the uh, wonders of technology, we're able to uh, connect with each other, to be able to talk, and, and most of all, be able to uh, think and ponder about you and about uh, who you are and about your work in creation. And Lord, it's especially on after a day like this where we can thank you and praise, give you praise for the wonders of creation. Uh, and, and so Lord, we ask you to, to be with us, send your Holy Spirit to us that we may um, be able to think rightly about these things uh, and help us to test everything, but hold fast to what is true. This we pray through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. All right. Amen. Amen. <laughs> okay, so a bit of a recap. Um, so we we started uh, last time with with um, with a topic of, of God, and God is so big that we need to have three, two and a half sessions on God, but um, we'll save the tricky one. Uh, for a few weeks from now, uh, that's the Trinity. Um, and I know the Trinity sounds dry and boring, but I was raised not believing in the Trinity, so I have a very unique perspective on it. And I hope I can explain it to you guys in a way that makes sense and that you'll be able to remember it and be able to share it with others and show you why it's actually super important for like your daily life. That's a couple weeks down the road. Um, uh, so last week, though, we looked at... The, we, our main emphasis was on understanding the Christian view of God. We, we saw that there are different arguments that you can make for there being a God who exists um, and that we can, uh, but ultimately you can't know God completely by reason. Neither can you know God completely by looking at nature. You can only know him through his action in history and specifically his action as creator, as uh, the, the, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who brought um, the Israelites out of the Exodus, and the God who raised uh, Jesus from the dead, and the God who was in Jesus, uh, the father of Jesus. So this means, uh, and we, we saw that uh, this was a great source of comfort. God's not detached from us, but God is intimately involved and um, connected to our own history. Um, we also learned that the way we talk about God is not primarily a one-to-one -one thing. We generally speak about God by way of analogy. Um, so we say God is a shepherd, God is a father. And, and on that, we learned that God, as to his own essence, is neither male nor female, but 
God has chosen to use the analogy of a father most predominantly in scripture um, to relate to us and to tell us uh, uh, a little bit about him. Um, and so, so that's a bit of a recap of last week. Um, coming into this week, uh, what are we doing today? We're going to look at what is God like? Um, we'll try to go through that fairly quickly. That's pretty simple, I think. And then uh, we'll move into creation. Uh, and we should be able to get done creation today. Um, and if anybody wants to read along with me, just let me know after, send me an email or something, and I can make sure that I, got, I, I get you the links or uh, one of the books I have digitally so I can copy things out, but it's, it's the deep end of the pool. Um, so here's a question. Does God depend on anything for his existence? No. 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 It seems, it seems obvious to us, right? That um, it seems obvious to us that God doesn't depend on anything for his existence except for himself, right? Um, that's a big idea. Like in the ancient world, that wasn't, that wasn't always known right you know in the if you were talking about like greek gods you know this god was the son of this god and and, and a, in a real and literal way and so they, you know in the ancient world they didn't have that concept of god so for us we say that god exists just in and of himself uh he depends on nothing and he depends on no one he just is now, what's a good Bible verse for that? I, I think it's a pretty famous one. Most of you, some of you should know it. If you were to try to prove that from the Bible. I'm thinking of one in particular. Uh, think of that last sentence I just said. God just is. Is it Moses in the burning bush? Exactly. What does Mo, what is I God, am. how does, I am, right? That's how, um, what you might not see is, so you guys know that God says to, when Moses, he's at the burning bush, he asks God, who, who is it that I'm going to say, what, what's his name? And he says, I am who or that I am who I am. And did you know that God's personal, God has a personal name, Yahweh, that is a, a form of the word to be. So it's like something along the lines of I have caused to be, right? So, um, so it, it literally, if you were a Hebrew reader, he says, um, I am who I am. Tell them that I, I have caused to be, has sent me to, you know. So his, his name itself, Yahweh, Jehovah, sometimes you hear. Well, that's wrong. Um, that's literally a form of the Hebrew word to be. God's name is is in itself. I am. That's that's who he is. He just is. It's a simple concept, but it's super important because um, he is He is. That's what he is. Okay. Um. Next thing. Now this this is probably the trickiest intellectually. This is the hardest thing to for me to try to convey to you. Um. It's really hard. God is not made up of parts. That sounds simple enough. Um, God is not made up of parts. God's not like a cake, 
um, when, when we make a cake, we can say a cake has flour and the cake has eggs and the cake has this, right? It has parts, it's a mixture. It's a combination, a bunch of little things, right? Yes, following me? God's not like that. Okay, God is, God is, God doesn't have love. He is love. That, that's, ah, see that's, love is not a description of a quality that God has. It's a description of him, right? That's who he is. And that works with all of his attributes. Everything that you, because God doesn't have, he's not made up of a bunch of little things, right? Um, he is one indivisible, he is indivisibly and essentially one. That's the, right? Um, um, and so that means that when we, when we talk about the Trinity, it's not one third of God, one third of God, one third of God, right? We'll, we'll deal with that more later, but it, it, there are no parts in God. He's not made up of a bunch of little things. Um, and so when you're, when we talk about God's attributes, because all of God's attributes, those qualities that we, what we might use to describe him, right? Um, when you talk about his love or his justice, because they both are just descriptions of who he is, they're the same thing. His love is his justice. It's identical. And so, but we, our five pound brains can't understand this. No, but they have to be different, right? Mm -hmm. But that's once again, God comes down to us and speaks to us on our level. All right. Um, this is in fancy theological terms called divine simplicity. He's simple. He's, that doesn't mean he's not a hugely mind blowingly complex. It means that he's indivisibly one thing. He's not a bunch of little things put together like a double double or a cake or something. Um, so that that's important because um, that really marks out, you know, uh, you might not see this, but you'll get these people running around the internet, especially amongst my generation, claiming, and, and, and it's a bit of a, they're just, they're just trying to make fun of Christians, claiming they believe in, in the flying spaghetti monster God. Have you guys heard of this? No. Nope. So Mark has. So um, yeah. they're trying to make fun I, of Christians. I work with usually, one of those. Yeah, Mark, yeah. Um, uh, so they're, they're trying to make fun of Christians and they claim they believe in this flying, that God is really a flying spaghetti monster. But based on what I just told you, that's no God. Why? Because spaghetti requires wheat. It requires uh, meatballs, require cows. It's made up of a bunch of little itsy bitsy things. Where did those bit, bits come from? Right. It doesn't, it, that's why the Christian view of God is so completely different. God is not made up of parts. All right. God is holy. We use that, that term, right? Holy just means he's pure. Um, think of the sun, um, uh, pure, free from all evil, that kind of thing. Completely different. It can also mean completely different. Um, all right, those are the abstract things. Let's get some feedback from you. God is personal. What do you think it means when we say God is personal? He has a relationship with each person. That's right. He, he has, take a step back though. Not only does he have a relationship, 
he is able to have a relationship. He has the capacity to have a relationship, right? That That's important because we're looking at who God is. So God is not an impersonal force, right? That means he's not like, you know, just, you know, the magic juju of the universe or something. He's personal, right? And so that means, as correctly, that um, he um, is able to have a relationship with us. Okay, so what does it mean then? <clears throat> what are some things involved in, in being personal? He knew us from conception. He knew us from conception, right? So he has to know things, um, right? So that means he... Um, so it, it means it, it it means he's intelligent, right? He loves and cares for us. He loves and cares for us. We're going to come back to some of those, but that's exactly true. Um, he has a will. He can choose, right? Uh, in, in, to be a person, don't you have to be able to make make choices? Um, so God can can choose. He has a desires. He has will. He has a will, right? Um, he's intelligent. He has a mind. Right. Those are right. Somebody who doesn't have a mind, we would not say they're personal. Would um, and, and so um, he's perfect. He's perfect, absolutely. And, and we're going to come back to that too. Um, um, so, um, so God, yes. Yeah, so that and, and that's the point. God can exist in relationship to other beings, especially us. That, that's important. Now, there are some attributes that we give to God. Um, things like um, justice, wisdom, truthfulness, goodness, mercy, right? Trustworthiness or faithfulness. All of those relate to what? All of those. What's, what's common about all those things? There's They're all for us. Bingo. Right on. They're all for us. They all relate to how God relates to us. God is just, which means he treats us fairly, right? Um, uh, God is truthful, which means he'll never, he's never going to lie to us, right? God is good and merciful. Yeah, that means he's good and merciful to us. Um, so all of these trustworthy, which means when he gives us a promise, we can rely on him. Um, so, so you see how all those attributes, um, it's not like God, God has justice. He is right. Remember he is just, which means in every dealing he has with us, he will always deal with us fairly. You know what I mean? So, um, see how these things, um, cause that's just who he is. Um, and now the next thing is God is perfect, which kind of means that God is without any limitations. Would we all agree with, on that? God has without any limitations. Um, this is what, um, this is what we call, um, theology by way of negation, which means we can't actually really know what God is like, but we can know what can we know? If we can't know what he is like, we can know what he's not like. Bingo. What he's not like. That's exactly right. And so think about that for a second. Uh, here are the typical list of attributes. 
they're not actually positive things. They're actually um, denying that God is limited in some way. I'm going to say them, and you guys tell me what's being limited or what, what, what the denial is, right? So I'll give you the first one by example. Almighty. Almighty means that God is all-powerful, which means there is no limits on his power. Right? You following me? Okay. Mm -hmm. All omniscient, all knowing. He knows everything. He knows everything. There is there are no limits what he knows. Right. Right? Um, all loving. No limit to how much he loves. Absolutely. There's no limit to how much he loves. All present. This one's a little trickier. Omnipresent. He's, he's present everywhere. Limited. There's yeah. nowhere he can't be. Right. There is, yep, there's nowhere. He is not limited to one geographical or spatial location, right? It's not like the Mormons say that God is on the planet Kolob, right? <laughs> it's, What's that mean? What's that? <laughs> That's another lesson in and of itself. Just some group of people that say that God is an actual being on a planet in outer space. All right. Oh, I could be, I could be misrepresenting that, but the point still is, is easily made. Um, God is eternal, which means God is. There's no beginning. Timeless, right? The Omega. Right. The Alpha so and no, the Omega. That's right. The beginning and the end. There is no um, limit on his time span, right? <laughs> uh, he has no time span. Um, he's infinite. Yes. Which, which he's, he's not finite. In any way you conceive finite, he's immortal. Yes. Right? He's mm -hmm. not limited by death. Um, immutable. Immutable means unchangeable. Why is it important that God be unchangeable? Why is it important for you? Bingo. If God, a changeable God can break his promises because he could be affected by something from the outside, right? And God is not affected like that. God never changes, right? The scriptures say um, in First Samuel, um, when he rejects Saul, I am not a man. Samuel says, God is not a man that he should change his mind, right? God, God does not repent. Even though the Bible says God repents, it also explicitly says he doesn't repent because it's, you know, you see both things. Uh, you see in, on the one hand, God trying to tell us how he feels that he doesn't and the other hand giving pulling back the curtain a little bit and showing us a little bit of what he's really like um and so when the bible talks about god having emotions we have to just keep in mind that god doesn't have motions the um, emotions the same way we have emotions right your emotions are often created by external stimuli stimuli right um something happens to you and you respond right something what right god doesn't have emotions in the exact same way we are but there is a connect there is there there's a similarity there beyond that we have a hard time saying um, can you explain the situation where christ turns over the money changers tables then 
Mm. Right. Um, there's uh, that's um, Christ is a different story. Why is Christ a different story? Because he's, 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 he's also man. man. He's, right. Right. He, right. So he's also yeah. man. So as a man, he has all of the same um, emotions and everything that, like like we do, except these without sin. Um, so in, in that the case, Old he, Testament, did not God? Did in the Old Testament did not God get mad? Got irate yeah, absolutely. with the people? Absolutely. Um, but all, all, and that's and that's my point. My point then is not that that God's not mad or something. The point is that when God gets mad, it's different than the way we get mad. But they're, it's similar enough that it's similar. They're close enough that we, there's some. There's he's mad. We we understand what being mad is kind of like. But there, we have to understand because it's God we're talking about. It's of a completely different quality than ours, right? Yeah, he sends he sends plagues and he sends floods and he does all those dramatic things. Right, right, and that's part of providence. We don't do that. Old. We don't do that. Um, but when we get mad, um, we sin, right? God gets mad; he doesn't sin, right? Uh, we get mad; we have to, you know. Uh, so there's there's a little bit of that too. Um, is it more from a parental mindset that when he gets mad, it's to teach us or yeah, discipline us? Uh, yeah, especially for Christians, that's true. Absolutely. Um, yeah. The other aspect is it, it, it's not so much that God gets mad as it is a, a, a reaction to sin, right? Um, it's it's a reaction against um, <clears throat> our sin and, and, and how we've corrupted and, and affected the world. Right. It, it's, it's, um, similar, uh, it, you know, it, it's that kind of thing. It, it's, um, it, it, you know, there's a, it, it, the idea of God being immutable and how does that relate to his emotions is a tricky concept. Um, but we, we just want to say that, yes, the Bible describes God has emotions. We need to take that seriously. At the same time, we have to remember it's God. And so um, um, God is not going to um, have a fit of melancholy or something or get depressed, right? Um, like we do when we have emotions, right? God, uh, but that doesn't mean God is un, un, an unemotional Vulcan or something. Um, it, so we're trying to balance those two things. Does that make sense? And it's difficult because yeah, anytime God you talk is about a just God, God is a just God. Absolutely. And there are repercussions to what God says. Sure, there are absolutely. negative things as far as we are concerned as man. Mm -hmm. But that does not mean that he is terrible. It's because he is just. Right. And mm -hmm. um, when the Bible talks about the Bible talks about God's wrath and his anger. Um, but to, to back up Ron there, um, one, uh, a medieval theologian who I like, Anselm, says, um, God's wrath is nothing but his desire to punish. Um, so that, you know, and it's desire to punish. The implication is those who've broken his commandments, and uh, right? It's his desire for to justice be done. Um, yeah. Okay. 
so so we're wrapping that wraps up the first part about god um uh so we have those those qualities about god which we we say they're the more about negations right you're denying something that uh you're denying some limit upon god um and then the other ones relate to how does he relate to us as as a personal god um now let's move on to creation what does it mean this is a nice simple question what does it mean when we call god the creator It means before there was anything, there was God because he created everything that we can see. Right. Only the things we can see? No, everything. everything. Right. I believe everything. in God, the Father Almighty, maker of maker. all things. Heaven and earth. Yeah. Heaven and earth. Yeah. Or I'm thinking of the other one. Um, yep. Maker of all things, visible and invisible, the Nicene Creed, right? Yes. So that's the basic idea. Um, God, when we call God creator, we're saying God made everything, right? Visible, invisible, doesn't matter. God made everything. If, if it was made, God made it. That's the fundamental basic idea behind God as creator. It, it's funny, but we actually have to say that. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, throughout history, Christians have actually had to spell that out. Um, so um how when god made everything did he take did he open up a, a a jar of matter and start you know playing with it did he no he just said let there be right he makes it out of nothing i heard someone say um right that that's important the, the, the <laughs> one of the most fundamental idea here about creation is number one, God made everything out of nothing that, that marks Christianity off from a lot of other religions and a lot of other ideas. Um, Latin ex nihilo, uh, nihil is nothing as in nihil. If you look at the word annihilate, it means to make nothing. Nihil is in the middle. Uh, ex nihilo out of nothing. Um, you guys want to see this in the Bible, right? That God made everything out of nothing? Sure you do. <laughs> sure you do. Um, well, somebody, somebody quote Genesis 1-1 off the top of their head to me. In the beginning. In the beginning, God made heaven and God earth. God made it right? heaven and earth. Right. Uh, Psalm 33, 6 through 9. I'll show you um, somewhere else in the Old Testament. The Psalms have a lot of creation language in them, believe it or not. Um, and you, you, if you go through the Psalms, sometimes you'll, you'll see them. Psalm 33, 6 through 9. Um, here we go. Uh, I'm reading, of course, out of our RSV thing. Uh, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and all their hosts by the breath of his mouth he gathered the waters of the sea as in a bottle. He put the deep places in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood forth. All right? God. So there you have God made all things um, by the power of his word. 
right? What, what's described in Genesis 1 is here become almost like a confession of faith, you can see, right? Like, don't forget the Psalms were like used in like worship, just like we do. So, you know, that, that's important uh, to see. Um, uh, um, Romans 4.17. Romans 4.17. Romans 4, verse 17. So Paul's in the midst of his argument about Abraham and Abraham's faith. And he says, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. Right? Calls into existence things that don't exist. Creation out of nothing. Notice that Paul is not talking about, um, he's not talking about creation here, right? He's just using it as a description for God in passing as he's talking about Abraham. Um, so if he, in, in that way, you can see that this is just something that Paul assumes that Jews and Christians of the time know. God makes everything by his word out of nothing. Um, um, Hebrews 11.3 is the last one we'll use here. <clears throat> I remember where the book of Hebrews is. <laughs> there it is. Hebrews 11, verse 3. By faith we understand that the world was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was made out of things which do not appear, right? Creation out of nothing. That's, um, that's, that's important there. So God it created all things by his word out of nothing. Um, even science backs this up, right? They don't, they don't, they might not agree that there is a, a God, but what do they say in the big bang, right? There was nothing. And then boom, something right out of nothing um this is important that, that is an important concession because in ancient greece and that was the 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 philosophy the science up until uh the enlightenment in the 1700s it used to be taught that the universe was eternal right it just all it just always existed um or it, some people taught that and so for science to have to have said, you know, actually, yeah, there was this, there was nothing. And then boom. And, and then now everything exists. That's a, that's significant um, con, uh, concession to the Christian worldview. Right. Uh, in fact, the, the, the founder, the, the guy who, who created the big bang, bang theory was a Roman Catholic Jesuit priest. <laughs> just in case you didn't didn't uh, know that <laughs> so um um so that so that's so but the doctrine of creation is not just um at some point in the distant past god made everything it's there's actually more to it than that um let me read you two spots from our small catechism and, and I'll ask you what the, um, so first article of the creed, uh, I believe in God, the father, make, almighty maker of heaven and earth. What does this mean? 
I believe that God has made me and all creatures, and he has given me my body and souls, eyes and ears, limb and reason, all my senses, and still preserves them. In addition, he gives me clothing and shoes, meat and drink, house and home, wife and children, fields and cattle, all my goods. He provides me richly and daily with all that I need to support my body and life. He protects me from all danger and guards me and preserves me from all evil. He does all of this out of his pure fatherly divine goodness and mercy without any merit or worthiness in me. For all this, I ought to thank him, praise him, serve and obey him. Uh, this is most certainly true. One more. The fourth petition of the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. What does this mean? God gives daily bread even without our prayer to all wicked people. But we pray in this petition that he would lead us to realize that this, realize this and to receive our daily bread with thanksgiving. What is meant by daily bread? Everything that belongs to support the, the needs of the body, such as food, drink, clothing, house, home, cattle, fields, money, goods, pious spouse, pious children, pious servants, pious and faithful rulers, good government, uh, good weather, and he goes on and on. Okay. What does, now, I will back Luther up there with uh, the Bible in a second. So God, when we say God, we believe that God is the creator. What else are we saying? God doesn't just create things back then. Oh, he's still continuing every day. He still continues every day. This is, God is not just creator. He's also your sustainer, right? He continually sustains, governs, guides, rules, preserves everything in all creation. This is what we call providence. Have you heard? Uh, I'm sure you've heard the, the term before, right? God's providence. It means God's fatherly divine care and running of the world. Um, to some people who, or I don't, can't name the group, but they sort of uh, compare God to like a clockmaker. He winds it up and then just lets it go and uh, doesn't involve himself. Bingo. That, that is exact. Absolutely. <laughs> Bible study points to Susan today. <laughs> um, that's super Most important. exciting thing that's happened to me in three months. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, yes, that that is super important because um, I'm trying to find where I am now. I should have numbered my papers. Um, all right, yes. So that's what's called deism, and it says God doesn't act in the world. Deism, for those taking notes, D E I S M. All of the founders of America, all of the the guys who wrote the Constitution, uh, One Nation Under God, they were not Christians. They were deists. Uh, it's, it, um, they had a, a notion of God, the clockmaker, the architect, but not. But the idea is God is not involved in the world. And if God is involved in the world, it's only because he set up laws of nature and those laws function. God, it's like the McDonald's toy. He winds it up and lets it go. Uh, that that view of God is not our God, but it's a lot. A lot of people, even Christians, think that that's the way it works. Um, so it's important that we recognize that God cares for and sustains everything in the world, um, and He does so through me. He does so 
through means, right? Um, he does so through means. So the Bible will say things like God makes it rain, right? Mm -hmm. um, who, remembers, who remembers their Bible stories about Elijah? Remember in Elijah, it, it, um, he, uh, it wasn't raining. God, and then he prayed to God and then it rained, right? After, what is it, seven years or something, um, right? God made it rain. But wait, the scientist says, no, God doesn't make it rain. The, the sunshine hits the water and the water evaporates and turns into water vapor. And then the water vapor gets heavy and condenses and it comes down and it rains. See, we have the water cycle, AKA God didn't do it. What's wrong with that understanding? Well, God made everything so that that situation would occur to give us rain. Right. So th that's right. So it, it's not, it, it's, it's not, um, so it, it, it's not an either or, right? That, right. That's, so that, that's often what you say. You'll see science will give you a natural explanation for why something happens, Right. Uh, the, like the water cycle or something, right? And they say, see, there's a natural explanation. Therefore, God didn't do it. Was there, an, was there a natural explanation for Noah and the ark? <laughs> I'm sure there was. I'm sure if he put a scientist back there with a, or a meteorologist, he probably would have said, it's, it's because the small, the air pressure over here and the yada yada over there and and see, well, sometimes the Bible tells us. Remember, um, it says that a, um, a, a, east, a strong, God caused a strong east wind to blow the Red Sea open. So sometimes, occasionally, God will also tell us um, the, the means whereby he used. And we, we're Lutherans. We're, we're great at this whole God uses means thing, right? We do this all the time. That's how God runs the world. He runs the world using what we call means, or they call them sometimes secondary causes. Um, but God isn't limited to those. Do we agree? Sometimes God can intervene directly, right? Um, uh, sometimes God can make the sun go back and cause the sun to stand still and do, you know, do crazy stuff uh, because he's God and he can do those kinds of things. Um, now, Susan, here's a question for you. If you have a world-class organist, okay, a world, or a, just, just, you know, Ian Sadler or something, world-class, and you gave them the most terribly out-of-tune organ that there was. It's out-of-tune, it's missing keys. Uh, does, the or, does the organist's proficiency matter at that point? Not really. Not really, right? So sometimes that's how we have to understand how, how God works in the world, right? Our world, because of sin, is broken, right? It, it, things don't, aren't the way they should be. Would we all agree that things aren't the way they should be? Um, so God, um, that, so if, if something bad happens in the world, right, it's not the fault of God, right, any more than the bad sound coming out of the org uh, out of an out of tune organ is the is the fault of the person playing the person might have all the skill in the world right 
but if the organ's out of tune, the organ needs to be put back in tune so that it can play the beautiful music that needs to be played out of it, right? That's a, a, a crude example to try to see how some of these, how do some of these things uh, work together. Um, let's just take a look at a couple passages to prove that um, I'm not pulling things out of thin air, right? Um, it, it's good to do that. Uh, Matthew 10, 29 is a good one. Um, you should, most of you probably, if you don't, if you wouldn't know where to find it, you, you would know, you, you would know the phrase, you would know the, the, the verse, the famous verse. Um, Jesus uses it to comfort his apostles, Matthew chapter 10, uh, verse 29. About the two sparrows. About the two sparrows, absolutely, yep. Um, it's not in chapter 12, it's in chapter 10. <laughs> oh, if I can ever turn the page. Don't want to lick my fingers. All right, 10, um, 29. Uh, are not two sparrows sold for a penny and not one of them will fall to the ground without your father's will, right? Um, not every, you know, not one sparrow falls to the ground without God's care. Um, uh, the, um, Psalm, in, in those lines, Psalm um, 104 there's, this is all over the Psalms, actually. I just picked Psalm 104 um, because it's one that I know. Um, unfortunately, I was silly and I didn't write down the verses. Um, <laughs> and it's a gigantic Psalm. Um, uh, da -da -da -da. Oh, yep. Uh, uh, anyway, it's in Psalm 104. Read the whole thing. Read the whole thing, and you'll see. <laughs> um, but think of the table prayer that's that we learned in cate for for the catechism. The eyes of all wait on you, O Lord, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hands and satisfy the desires of every living thing. Right? Um, that, um, that I think that verse was there was supposed to be a verse in there that he, God gives food to the young ravens that call upon Him. Uh, that kind of thing. Um, Acts, here are the two big verses, uh, or is like, it, no, uh, verse 14. Verse 14. makes grass grow for the cattle and the plants for the man to cultivate. Yeah, see, yeah, see, yeah, that, that's part of it. The whole psalm is about that, but you'll see, you'll find yeah, that yeah. kind of stuff all, all throughout the psalms. Uh, God cares for creation. He, he's, he's sustaining. So this is, He's intimately involved, uh, not just in the sense that he wound, he put the mechanism in place. It's a direct thing through it, through those agencies, right? God is causing the grass to grow to feed that cow. And that's not, not just he, he wound it up and let it go. Um, well, my, I don't have your version, Pastor, but on that 14, 15 is even better. But 14 is he makes grass grow for the cattle and plants for man to cultivate bringing forth food from the earth, wine that gladdens the heart of man, oil to make his face shine, and bread that sustains his heart. So I guess he also makes beer and uh, hard liquor. That's, that's right. Yeah. Anything that's made, that's made by God. 
absolutely. And I actually and it, looked it up what I love about about the uh, doing it on Zoom and at the at Bible class. I sometimes use my cell phone to Google stuff while, during Bible class. But the classic this Providence thing. Just a quick flashback on that. I just pulled it up. Providence definition Bible first item in Lutheran theology. Divine providence <laughs> refers to God's preservation of creation, his cooperation with everything that happens, and his guiding of the universe. While God cooperates with both good and evil deeds, with the evil deeds, he does only as in so much, in as much as they are deeds, not with the evil in them. But it's interesting that in Lutheran theology was the first item that came up. <laughs> and that's that's essentially a summary of what I just said. The whole, yes. whole everything I've said mm. thus far. So that's good. I, I like that you fact checked me on that. That's great. Um, no, it's not fact check. I'm just. No, it's good. It's so it's easy good. to do. <laughs> it is. Um, so what? Uh, we're just looking for a couple verse, more verses. Um, uh, Acts seventeen, twenty eight. Um, Oh, yes. In him we live and move and have our being. And then um, I, we won't have to turn there, but Hebrews 1.3 says that uh, that Jesus upholds all things by the word of his power. Uh, and a similar idea is mentioned in Colossians 1.17. Okay. So we've got this idea of creation out of nothing, right? Um, we've got the idea of providence that God cares for and sustains for creation. And that means you. He even gives you uh, a nice glass of wine at the end of the day to make yourself happy. That's God. And so you can give thanks to God for that. Um, um, uh, so, and, and that's, and so when you look at nature, then you can get a sense that God is in control of things, right? So when you see that, um, this goes back to um, a little bit of what we touched on last time. Um, we have two types of, how do we know about God? Well, there's two, two types. We have the natural knowledge of God. What, is, what do you think that means? The natural knowledge of God. What we see in creation? Right, exactly. What we see in creation. You can look out in creation and you can have an idea God exists, right? And then there's also, a, uh, addition to that, there's also... Um, what is sometimes called the sense of the sense of God or the sense of the divine, right? Um, that each of us has a, to put it, uh, I think Augustine said it this way. There's a God shaped hole in everybody's heart, right? Um, every, you know, you have this longing for something that's God-like in your life. Um, and in Bill's, yeah. Um, but because sin has affected our minds, we don't always see that clearly. But now that we have the Bible and we have the Bible comes, right, and, and dusts these things off and, and, and puts glasses on us so we can see these things clearly. And now we go back to those arguments. We go back to creation. We have that glass of wine and we can say, wow, you know, this is great. Praise God, right? It, it, it enhances how we view God. Uh, because uh, God's word helps to take off the blinders of sin and show us the way things are. Uh, and so often we, we say that there's two books. God has the book of nature and the book of the Bible, right? Um, and, and so we have natural revelation, which means how God shows himself in nature, right? Does that make sense? And then we have 
what we call special revelation, which means God actually doing something apart from nature and actually showing us something like in the Bible. Um, okay. Um, a few distinctions. What are, what, what, or not distinctions. Um, what are some things that, because we believe that God is creator and he made everything out of nothing and he preserves all things, what does that imply? What does, how does that affect other things? And it does. Um, I'm going to plow through these quickly so that we can get to the questions you really want to know. What about the dinosaurs? That's what's on everybody's mind. What, what about the dinosaurs and the bones? Right, so, so let me, let me uh, get through these things. This is super important. Super, super important. There is a distinction between God and creation. Creator and creation are two different things, right? God is not a thing in the universe. Seems basic, but all idolatry makes that mistake. God is a thing in the universe. And they worship and serve, Romans 1.25, they worshiped and served the creation rather than the creator, right? Um, God is not a thing in the universe. Um, it also means God has authority over creation because he made it. And he's the one who's keeping, keeping it going. Um, and that means us too. And that's I, what I think is a lot, really the rub. People don't like the idea that there's a God over them who's in control of them and has authority over them. You know, as good Americans and North Americans, we're taught that I, I have rights and freedoms and no one's, I'm my own boss. And, and so the, create, the idea of creation implies that, no, no, you're not your own boss and you're, you're going to be accountable to somebody one day. And people don't like that. Um, additionally, in Genesis 1, what does God call creation? He looked and, and said, It was good. It was good. It was good. Creation is good. But it is not God. Right? Good, mm -hmm. but not God. That, if you keep that in mind, um, you've just solved like 300 years of church controversy right there. Gone. It's a simple idea, but people fought over this stuff. Um, you have the Gnostics who said that creation is evil because um, the re they taught that the, uh, the, creator, the creator of all things was actually the devil and the redeemer who redeemed us was actually, was actually God. And you're supposed to be saved out of creation because it's evil. And, um, right? That, that's Gnosticism. That was an early heresy put down. Um, and then you also have dualism, right? That there's a, there's, that's the idea that you have um, an all-powerful good thing and an all-powerful evil thing, right? And, and no, God is in control. Creation is good. There is evil in the world. We're going to get to that next week, maybe? Yeah, next week. Um, but but there, it's, there's no dualism. Um, um, just because, yeah, okay, we'll, we'll deal with that later. Um, God has, um, God's love for us can be seen in the way he created things. God didn't have to make color. He didn't have to make food taste good. He didn't have to give you wine to, to, to settle, to settle on a, after a hard day. And yet God gives you all those things, even when you don't deserve them. Even though you deserve the opposite, God still gives you all that. And he gave you a nice sunny day today. And he gives you a house and home and all those things. 
when you think about that, it should show you how much this God loves you. And we haven't even got to Jesus yet. <laughs> right? Um, the great love with which God has for us is evident even in how he made the world. And I think that's, that's a, a, an important point to note. Um, there are two opposites when we deal with providence. Everything happens by chance. It's all random. And the other, what's the other extreme? Everything is predestined, right? Right. Um, the, the Bible teaches somewhere in the happy middle between those two points. <laughs> and we'll maybe do that. We'll get to that a little bit later. But suffice to say that it's not fate and it's not <laughs> chaos, right? Um, okay. Now the fun stuff. Yeah, this is the stuff everybody wants to know. Uh, <laughs> there have been significant challenges to, to the Christian view of God and the creator ever since Darwin's origin of the species well, a hundred and some odd years ago. Um, and, and, and you, you know, the, the, the theory of evolution that all species come from a, a single common ancestor and that they, uh, through time, uh, due to mutations and natural selection, uh, this thing develops a mutation and it's a good characteristic and that grows into some new species and eventually becomes us. That's the theory of evolution as, uh, as in, as might as I can explain it in 10 seconds, uh, that becomes, that's the, that's the most recent challenge. Uh, and the, the advances in science have also challenged us. Um, but would, would it surprise you if I was to tell you that there has never ever been a consensus on how Christians should understand Genesis one through Genesis one, never, there has never, ever, ever been a consensus not with the Jews and not with the Christians. <laughs> um, there is no consensus. Anybody who says there is needs to go read the church fathers because there's not. Uh, they're completely all over the board. They don't have a common. They, what do they have in common? They have in common that God made the world out of nothing. And they have in common that God preserves and keeps the world going. Um, and they have, a, um, they have in common that Adam and Eve were... Um, literal people they were a historical couple and they had a historical fall it really happened right those are the details um and that creation is good and not but it's not god um those four details are are what are what all christians always have had in common you guys with me um uh it, Luther's commentary on Genesis, it opens up and he spends a whole paragraph lamenting about how nobody <laughs> has ever agreed on, on, on Genesis 1 and, and, and how, and how to, the proper interpretation. He says the Jews wouldn't let you even try to interpret it until you were at least 50 years old. <laughs> Pastor, what, are they, what are they trying to interpret? Genesis chapter 1, you know, the, the, the like, creation story. But like... Um... What what uh, what part though? Like just the length of time? Is that what? Oh, every every nook and cranny detail. <laughs> I mean, Augustine. You know, I'll use Augustine because his is the view that I know the best. 
uh, Augustine's, you know, would say things like, um, actually, everything was, God doesn't waste any time. He doesn't need to take six days. He took an instant, done. And he just, you know, so it's not, um, the, in the early church, there was a lot of divergence on, um, on creation, um, uh, on, on Genesis chapter one and the right way to understand it, one through 11-ish, um, on, on almost every detail. You can find someone who disagrees. Um, and they didn't call them heretics and they did them, didn't kick them out of the church. Um, but they were, uh, because they held to those four ideas, right? God created all things out of nothing. He, he sustains and preserves the universe. Uh, creation is good and it's not God. And there was a historical Adam and Eve with a historical fall. Because they held those four things-ish, um, those, um, th they weren't kicked out of the church or something. And the creed does not say, give you a time frame. What does the creed say? I believe in God, Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. That's it. That's, that's the consensus, right? Um, in our day, we have um, some controversies, of course. There are um, three major views that you will find um, in, the, um, in the church as a whole. Uh, I'm talking about, you know, the Catholic church, the, the small C, the, the universal church, you know, all of us, everybody of any denomination, right? Or not just us Lutherans. Um, there is, um, there are three views, roughly. Um, the first is the simplest one to understand. Young earth creation, right? Genesis says days. It means a 24-hour, literal, one-day trip around the sun, right? Uh, how, how long ago? About six to 10,000 years ago take all the ages in Genesis, so-and-so begat so-and-so, and it was such and such an age when it happened. And you just add those all up and you go back and you maybe account for a few gaps and you get six to 10,000 years ago. Young earth creation, right? That's the view you should all be very familiar with. Am I, am I right? That, that, that is the official only allowed view in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Um, and it is the absolute predominant view in Lutheran Church Canada. And it is not my view. <laughs> um, but we'll save that part for later. There's another view. The second view, um, um, old earth creation, also known as progressive creation. This is the view that um, the days in the day, the, uh, the days in Genesis one um, should not be understood as 24 hours, but mean basically un undefined periods of time. Um, and so it's called old earth creationism. Um, it still rejects evolution. So it's not like you believe in evolution or something. Um, uh, and it says that God made the things progressively. So, you know, 65 million years ago, God made the dinosaurs and then he wiped them out. Um, and then, uh, a few years later, you know, later he made all the mammals and then wiped them out and then you know, yada, yada. So this progressive. And so that's called old earth creation. Um, that is the majority Protestant view outside of Lutheranism. Okay. 
the third view is evolutionary creationism, also known as theistic evolution. Um, that should be self-explanatory, right? Um, evolution is true. God used it to make the things that there are. Um, and um, yeah, that is the official position of the Roman Catholic Church. Um, so um, there's also, um, those are the three big views. Almost everybody in any denomination in Christianity falls into one of those three views. Um, there's also some other approaches, which is kind of the way I go. Um, and it, it, it basically says that Genesis, we're asking the complete wrong question of, of, of Genesis. Genesis was never intended to give us um, a timetable on how God made the earth or, or, or what time. The Jews aren't even asking those questions. Those are questions we ask because um, of this scientific revolution that we have. The Jews aren't, aren't not, not thinking in those categories generally. So what the days are in, in Genesis are, they're analogical. So what this means is you're not getting, you're not getting six 24-hour days, you're getting six God days, right? These are days that God took. And, our, and they are... God is speaking to us by way of analogy. And we saw that this is how God speaks all over scripture. Um, and um, that's roughly where I fall. So I, my question, my answer to what, what somebody says, pastor, how long, Gen, what, how long does Genesis say, how long ago does Genesis say the earth was made? I'm going to say it doesn't. It, it, it doesn't. So, well, then how old is the earth? I don't know. I'm not a scientist. <laughs> it can, can the science be wrong? Absolutely. They're, they're, can the science be right? Sure. I don't know. I'm not a scientist. It's not my area of expertise. Um, uh, I, I, there could be good reasons to believe the earth is old, but there are creationists out there, uh, answers in Genesis, who challenge them. Okay, great. Uh, I'm content to let them, let, let them fight about it. and. Um, I'm going to worry about what the Bible says. And the Bible does not explicitly say that um, uh, God made the world in six days. How do I know this? Because the, how do we define a day? A day is Earth one. Earth turns once. Earth turns once. This right. And, yeah. And, and it, so um, why does the earth turn? Because of this big big ball of gas sitting in the middle of our solar system right we go around the or we go around the sun once that's a day right but the, that's a year but it's, a, it's a year if you go around the sun once it's a year yeah a year. right that's a long day pastor <laughs> but so but either way the day is still that's um, what the virus is doing to him right <laughs> <laughs> day is one revolution of the earth that's right it's, it's, but that, that revolution of the earth is dependent on the gravity of the sun right you need that right we at least the way science tells us now in genesis the day the sun is not made until day four right additionally the last day day seven is still going we know that from Hebrews chapter four, 
where it says that God rested on the seventh day and there's still a chance for you to enter into God's rest. The seventh day continues, right? So the seventh day is not understood literally uh, by the author of Hebrews in chapter four. So why are the other days? And it, they're not solar days because the sun's not made until day four. So something else is going on here. So when it says morning in the evening, it's sort of metaphorical. It's not really morning. It's not metaphorical, but analogical. It's, it's, delimitate, it's, de, it's delineating a time period. But also, if you look close in the text, um, um, it says that there was evening and then there was morning, day one. Um, what so that, that would be to designate a start and a finish to that particular bit of work that God did. Not quite. It actually delimitates the period of rest. Evening, morning. What comes between evening and morning? Nighttime, Sleep. darkness, sleep, <laughs> right? So um, at the very least, you have to say, well, God made everything in, 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 in six 12-hour periods, right? He called the light day, and he called the darkness night, right? So you even there, you see, day is not referring to 24 <laughs> hours. It, it says it refers to 12 hours. But then in chapter 2, it says... All God, all this did in the day that God made the heavens and the earth. So I'm, this is so, this is so complex and I'm not going to, my position is a minority position. Uh, a lot of Lutheran pastors would take me to task and, and I'm not, and there's smarter Lutheran pastors out there than me who are more vicious and who would, who I, and I don't want to touch it with the 10 foot pole. I can give you commentaries and resources on all these, all three views, each view has a website and groups of people who write magazines and put up blog posts. Pastor, uh, Pastor Nye's um, version of it was that he kind of uh, believed in uh, mic micro evolution, but not macro evolution, because apparently right. he, in school, he took um, archaeology mm. and uh, from what he learned and his research and all that kind of stuff, that that's the way he rationalized it in his head. Right, yeah. That evolution happens on a small scale nobody can deny anymore. Right, yeah. I mean, Dar no, that's why it, it, like Dar Darwin proved that the finch, its beak grew bigger and smaller depending, it, it adapted to its environment. That, Right? The, right. I don't believe in evolution. So I don't believe in theistic evolution. The reason why I don't is because um, if you were to go to, if you were to go to, to university and study science, they would teach you the philosophy of science. Right. So in order to do science, you have to do the philosophy of science. And so there's an actual philosophy. There's an actual set of beliefs that they're believing. That, that, that is required to get evolution off the ground. Namely, that the universe is a closed box that runs by itself, right? And, and as everything we've seen so far, the universe is not a closed box that runs by itself. Um, and so the assumption that they're going into the game with, they're assuming, okay, the universe is just a machine running on its own. And so now we need to look at the machine and come up with a natural, um, explanation to how the, the species arose. Um, and 
Um, I think if you were to take a step back and, and, and question that, that whole line of reasoning, you would see that um, maybe that wasn't a good theory to, to go down uh, during, uh, yeah. Does that make sense? My, my objection to that? Um, um, yeah. Um, so, so. Um, I think we have to remember that God's time is not what we think of time either. Right. And we've been so told that many, many times in different passages, which of course I can't remember. Uh, but, you know, we. A day with we, the Lord is like a thousand years. Exactly. So. Right. God can do whatever, whatever he wanted to do. It didn't matter. It doesn't really matter right. how long it took and, him. Right. And, and that, see, yeah. So the view I hold is called the analogical days view, which means that the days are analogous to human days. They're not identical to them. They're God days. They're God's right. time, not our time. Right. Because, right. And how do we know they're God's days, not our time? Because our time is determined by the sun and the sun is not made right. to before. Exactly. That's that's my and our that's human not. mind. Our human mind only thinks of it in that way because that's all we know. That's all we know. So uh, how do God we speaks explain now? How do we explain now that they found um, cells or molecules or indications of life on Mars? That well, there was that there life would be, on Mars. That there would be life out in the universe shouldn't surprise us. Um, that there was life in North America shouldn't have surprised people, right? Um, just the, but, but I think we need to make a differentiation between like biological life, like, you know, amoebas and such, and intelligent life, right? Um, there's still no proof um, that there is intelligent life in the universe. Um, and the universe is just so enormously big that even if there was, we are, we're never going to know because that's just how big the universe is. And by the time anybody was to travel here, you know, it'd all be, we'd all be gone anyway. So, um, yeah. Um, if there was, well then, you know, we set up a chapel on, Klingon on on you know on the planet Klingon and preach Jesus to them right that's what it's the same situation it's exact same situation finding the the natives in North America with Europe what do you do you send missionaries and go tell them that God came down and died for their sins right that's that's at least that's how I approach that the dinosaurs that was a question Uh, I received it I see two people asked me about the dinosaurs each view answers the question differently. The young earth people would say that the, the, the flood is what causes the, the stuff. So the dinosaurs were likely wiped out by a flood. Um, and because it was a global flood, um, that throws off all of the carbon dating and all that stuff. And so, and then with, and then and that the, the rocks and that kind of thing, um, uh, it has the appearance of age because, you know, God, when God made Adam, you know, the, the, the assumption is um, he was a full grown man. So, you know, he looked old, but he, he really wasn't um, right. That's so they take that and they apply it to the universe and then apply it there. 
is that could that be true absolutely it's 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 a it's a plausible it's a plausible explanation to everything absolutely it's a definitely I thought plausible Noah was supposed to put two of every kind of animal on the ark yeah um there probably was a brontosaurus would fit on a 40 cubic arc. right 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 um and um if you look at the world that the, the world that um if you go after the flood in chapters 10 or 11 of genesis um and you grab a bible atlas or a bible dictionary which has maps in it uh look at the names of the nations and put a put a dot where those nations are because he lists all the nations that they knew of that came off the ark and you'll see they're all limited to one scope of one little part of the planet right one little itsy bitsy section but because everybody lived there nobody right in fact way back when everybody lived in mesopotamia right they call it the cradle of civilization everybody came out from there um so um there are some pastors and some theologians who say that um the flood could be local in that it destroyed the world that they knew maybe not necessarily the whole world to complicate matters when it says the waters went above the highest mountains in all the earth the word for mountain is also the word for hill the word for earth is also the word for land so did it cover the highest mountains in all the earth or the highest hills in all the land it's it, there's there's absolutely no way to know but besides the bias you bring to the text um um, uh, other examples, um, it says in um, Acts 1, not Acts 1, Luke, the Christmas story, the, a decree went out from Caesar, Caesar Augustus that all the what should be taxed? World. All the what? The world. All the world. Oh, we have to have a literal view. That means those Native Americans need to get on boats and come on over. <laughs> you see, all, same, the, the exact same turn of phrase is used in, in, Gen, in Genesis where it says that all of the world, the whole world went to Joseph in Egypt to get grain. It, right? So does that prove that point? I don't think so. I, I, uh, I, I still lean towards it, the flood was global. Could it, but I, I'm, I'm being honest with you about the scholarship. There, is a, there are good pastors who will say it was a local flood and it was only in Mesopotamia. And so we didn't have to have two kangaroos. You just had to have two of every Mesopotamian animal um, that uh, that wouldn't have been able to hop its way out of the size of whatever gigantic tsunami storm was on nowhere, right? I don't think it answers all the questions, but I mean, if that helps you sleep at night, God bless you. Because um, <laughs> we have to, I think we should really be honest when 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 there are scholars out there who actually disagree and there's and, and and the church is actually split on a subject i'd rather let have us be honest than than sweep the controversy under the rug i don't know about you guys but i'd rather hear have all the options before me right here are all the options and now let's go to the text and say okay which makes the most sense and i i definitely believe that we should be allowed to have a, a little bit of freedom in areas that are are not important like you know how many 
angels dance on the head of a pin or something, right? We can, you know, easily, you know, grab a beer and argue until we're blue in the face and it's not going to save anybody, right? <laughs> it's not going to... Uh, um, what we want to be careful of, though, in all this discussion is we want to make sure that we're not undermining the authority of Scripture, right? We want to be taking Scripture seriously. We want to understand that um, when the Bible speaks, it's God's Word, and these things happened. Um, and well, there's other non-Christian religions that also refer to a great flood at the same time as our Bible is talking about the flood during Noah, like so there's outside of the bible historical documentation yeah. that describes that flood and they're all from that region right um, they're the, the ancient near eastern the, the one that yeah. you might have heard of is called the epic of gilgamesh how many of you have heard that yeah you can probably <laughs> go to a chapters or on amazon i guess and you can find a, a copy of the epic of gilgamesh and read it for yourself um probably it, it noah. pardon Probably descendants of Noah. They could have been, absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, um, and so there's this residual memory uh, of the flood. Uh, so much so that I don't think any real uh, historian or anthropologist actually denies that there was a flood in this region. Um, you just can't, um, you can't, um, you can't get around it. Uh, additionally, like the, um, the people in South America have flood stories um like south america they're completely removed from the middle east i mean uh so that that's um so dinosaurs young earth says the flood wiped them out and um because of the apparent age uh that is why the um that's why the uh what's it called the 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 readings of science are off um the old earth view would say um, the readings of science are right. The earth is old, um, but um, for whatever reason, God decided that these dinosaurs insert their purpose, whatever that was, that's up to God's mind. Um, and they fulfilled the purpose. He wiped them out probably in the way science describes meteorite or something. And, and that's what it is. The problem with the old earth view is what? Can you see it? The old, problem with the old earth view, the most significant challenge to it is going to be that death existed before the fall of Adam and Eve. And they, that view will say that only human death is introduced in the fall. Humans weren't intended to die. Animals always were intended to die because they're not immortal, but because they weren't made in the image of God. So that's, that's that line of thought. Uh, both, there's, the problem is in all these views, you're going to say, oh yeah, that's a good point. And you're going to be like, oh, that's, there's something, not, there's something fun, funny here. It doesn't, it doesn't quite work. Um, each view has a pro and a con, and we could be here till the cows come home, looking at the pros and cons of each of these views. Um, and so the debate continues, and it will continue forever until we are in heaven, and God tells us, "No, guys, listen. You guys were all wrong. This is how it was." Because <laughs> that's probably likely what's going to happen, right? We're all going to be told we were wrong, 
and 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 there's some there was some fourth alternative none of us had thought of and, it's, and, and right that's the option too and we won't care and we won't care oh. because we'll be in heaven that's um, right um, and, and so I think it's important that we recognize those four things. What is required, in my opinion, uh, to be an Orthodox, like Bible believing in the Christian church guy, right? Or girl, God made the world out of nothing. God preserves the world ongoingly, right? Um, creation is good, but not God. And Adam and Eve were real people who really sinned and really messed things up for all of us, right? Um, and obviously that we're all descended from them. I think if, if, a, if, if a, a parishioner or a pastor can hold all four of those things, I really don't care about how long they think the days were. It doesn't, I don't think it, at the end of the day, I really don't think it matters. Do they have to hold to the fact that they would have to hold to the fact that there was no death before the fall, like you said, though, too, right? They would have to, they, I think they would have to show some convince. If, if they say there's death before the fall, they have some splaining to do. But you know what I mean? Um, right. There's, that's there's exactly, good, yeah, that's what I just... Yeah, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't necessarily make them unorthodox if they could give me a good explanation, right? Um... Uh, I, I don't know. It, it's tricky. That would be bad, though, if they could, because that would mean that there was the fall of sin and cause death. Right, but they would say that the fall of sin causes human death. Just as sin entered the, into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. Right? So they're going to cite that verse all day long and say, see, death spreads to men. Uh, and they would say that... Um, They'll also cite the thing with the tree. I was raised with the older view, so I know it backwards and forwards. It's, I don't necessarily hold it anymore, but it's the view I know. Um, Adam and Eve were not, they'll say Adam and Eve, if you look at the text, it says when God kicks them out, now let's kick them out of the garden, lest they take from the tree of life and live forever. Which implies right. that they didn't, they would, they were not immortal until they ate from the tree of life, which is why in Revelation the tree of life is restored again. Um, so Christian interpreters have differed over. Well, is it like eat once and you live forever once, or is it a continual? You have to keep eating from it. Um, but they would say, see, they they were mortal. They were going to die, and and the death sentence is God cutting off access to immortality, which he would have given to them had they passed the test. Uh, I mean, we could be here all day looking at the different perspectives. Um, um, I, I think that, um, but you're right. Uh, the death question gets thorny. Uh, I definitely think it does. Um, well, definitely. I meant like as far as evolution goes of, of us evolving from animals is what I guess what I was saying. Yeah. You know, no, no. Um, I would, I would have, um, I, I would, I, I think that the, the theory of evolution should be a, a boundary marker, um, uh, because it, it really goes beyond what scripture says, and you have to try to twist scripture in a way that I think just scripture doesn't, it just doesn't work. Um, um, do you know what I mean? It, it's, it's, it's not, they, 
it put it differently. If evolution is true, we can't have original sin. And Paul and Paul right. in Romans says we have original sin because Adam gave it to us. Um, so uh, you have a big problem there. Um, and if evolution is true, then why are we not still evoluting? <laughs> right? Evolving. Whatever. Right. <laughs> so anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, um, are, yeah, are and, we and, not uh, still evolving? Because stature wise, we're taller and bigger and have bigger feet and bigger heads and bigger hands than people did just a few hundred years ago in the Middle Ages. Yeah, not sure. your Chinese. <laughs> For me, probably more just uh, genetics. I'm not being prejudiced. I'm just saying there are still little people in the world. I think it's just we eat more. We eat differently. We, uh, you know, it's our it's our culture. I think not necessarily because we're smaller stature. Anyway, but some um, of us are bald. Some have hair. Uh, whatever yeah. condition caused that. Some of us have light skin. Some of us have dark skin. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that's um, way back. Yeah, it, it's a problem because <laughs> evolution can be used to simply describe the adaptation that any species undergoes. And it can also be used to describe a worldview, a complete philosophical, scientific way to look at everything. Right? But when you think um, of evolution, you would you not think that uh, we still have two eyes, two ears, a nose, a mouth, two two hands. I mean, if you think of the world, then people evolving, then that basic principle would change, would it not? Right. Yeah, it, it, you'd think so. Or who cares about the hair or something like that? I mean, really. Yeah, I, mean, I would. I would love the evolutionary thing about hair to, to, to be. <laughs> but, but still, I, I think that would go back to Pastor Nye's reference to uh, micro and macro micro evolution. Micro yes. Now, in order to fulfill all righteousness, I must dutifully remind you that I, I you know, uh, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that LCC has not taken a stand on creation itself. Uh, we have no document that we produce that says so. But we might have inherited Missouri Synod's documents. I don't know if that's, I, I have no idea. That's a really weird constitutional matter and, and I don't want to, I don't, don't know, don't care. <laughs> so if that, if that is the case, then I'm, you know, I have the right under our LCC handbook to, to dissent from that view. Uh, because it's not in the Book of Concord, um, the Book of Concord, which I take a vow to uphold, does not say anything about whether or not the Earth is six billion years old, or six days, or six thousand years old, or uh, neither do the creeds. Uh, and so, um, but just note that um, my position is the minority position. Uh, there are few and far between pastors who would agree with me on this. So take take what I'm saying with a grain of salt. Uh, uh, on this issue, because uh, I know uh, other pastors would would say, nope, six six days, six thousand years ago, uh, and that's that's uh, I'm I'm not 
anybody special. So please take take their opinions into consideration as you think about this yourself. Um, uh, but that that is what it is. <laughs> okay. All right. So next week, I saw we lost some people, hopefully not because they were incensed at me that I don't believe in six-day creation. Um, <laughs> I, I don't think so. Um, but we went a little over time, and that's okay. Um, and um, uh, let's, uh, I'll, I'll com conclude with a prayer, and then those of you who would like to leave may leave. Um, and, all right. Lord God, Heavenly Father. We thank you that through your word, you have clearly revealed yourself as the creator and sustainer of all things that you have uh, told, shown us just how much you love us by uh, the things that you have done for us every day by giving us food and, and providing for our needs. Uh, Lord, we, we thank you that uh, we're able to look at creation, to marvel at it. And we pray that as we approach these controversies in the Lutheran church and in the, your church throughout the world and throughout all time, that you would give us wisdom uh, to, dis to discern the true and the false, uh, that you would help us uh, above all things to rest uh, in your creation and care for us as our God and help us all to remember uh, that you are the God who saved us through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. All right. Thank you, Pastor. You're welcome. Thank you. Good to see you guys. Thank you. Have a good week. You too. We had church on Sunday. Okay. All right. You've been listening to the church door. Thanks again for tuning in. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, you can reach me, Pastor Matthew Fenn, at revfenn, R-E-V-F-E-N-N, -E at iCloud.com. Look forward to having you with us again next time.